Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Caucus 50th Anniversary Oral History Project, where we are collecting stories about our profession, our field, and our organization. My name is Paula Jean, or PJ Broderick, and I use she, them pronouns. Currently, I work at Kwantlen Polytechnic University. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Janet Morrison, President and Vice Chancellor at Sheridan College, Sean Kennedy, President at Niagara College, and Dr. Tim Raley, President and Vice Chancellor at Mount Royal University, for a conversation on what college and university presidents should know about caucus. Welcome, everyone. So, Janet, I thought we would start our first question with you, if that's okay. How has your involvement in student services shaped your journey through the post-secondary sector? So, so thanks for the question and thanks for the invitation. You know, if I reflect on, for me, it's, it's actually not about how student services has, has shaped my journey. It's about how being a student-centric educator, uh, professional leader has actually uh, informed everything that I do. It informs my parenting, it informs my advocacy, it informs my volunteerism. I think, you know, there is nothing about my current leadership orientation that wasn't informed by my various roles across student services. I think a lot about having been in, in residence life or in academic advising, in registrarial services, in complaints, resolution, adjudication, and, uh, and even some of the process on, on dispute resolution. All of that informs the way that I think about the work that we do. I'm so passionate about the transformative capacity of post-secondary education. But, you know, a lot of what we do teaches you about access. It teaches you about true accessibility. Um, and so it's, um, it's, a, it's deeply entrenched in my leadership orientation, you know, born from experience. And, and I hope that people see that uh, every day in what I bring to the role of president. So interesting. Uh, Sean or Tim, over to you. Would you like to speak about how student services has shaped your journey or as um, Janet was saying, that student-centered leader um, has shaped the work that you've been doing and your role. Sure, I'll jump in a minute. I think they're symbiotic, uh, those two concepts. I think student affairs, having been in various student affairs roles, grew my uh, skills, uh, I think, which, you know, just to add to what Janet has said, I think it, it gives me a skill set that I think is very helpful to my role as president and certainly informs my thinking. Uh, again, clearly the student-centered component, I always think we're in the, you know, the human development, citizen development business. Uh, and, and that comes out of a student affairs mindset uh, where you, you see the person, uh, you know, you know the, the struggles that you may see and the struggles that you don't, but it's kind of a very humanist uh, perspective. And I think that certainly infuses everything I do as, as president. And I can jump in, uh, PJ, on this. Um, I, I think that, you know, we all have our own paths and walking in the path of, of student affairs for a, a number of years, it, you know, it was, it was my cut at it, for lack of a better term. It's, it's you know, how I got a kind of a glimpse of the institutions that I've worked at. 
And as Janet outlined, I think that it really shaped um, my perspective. I think I started off student-centered, uh, probably because I was a student. And uh, then moving forward as a, as a professional and you know, in my in my case, you know, I, I became a psychologist and, you know, I wasn't planning on being a student affairs practitioner or professional, but but having had the opportunity to work in the profession for, you know, basically two decades, it 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 exposed me to so many different aspects and a diversity of students and just the human aspect of it. So, you know, for for the three of us who have become presidents of institutions, it's a bit of a gift, really, when you you get to be the head of an organization and people talk to you about their experiences and you can empathize. I think it goes a long way. I think people believe you when you say you're student-centered. That goes a long way. And I think it's really great preparation for dealing with very messy, complex, thorny issues that all of our institutions kind of have to deal with. Yeah, I might, might jump back in, uh, PJ, just I uh, was uh, thinking about it when Tim said, you know, it started, of course, as, as a student, I mean, we all did. Um, and part of my thinking even today is influenced by the fact that I was also a student leader before I got into student affairs. And I know that it changes the way I approach and the relationships I build with our student leaders and how deeply respectful I, I am of and appreciative of their roles on, on our campus. And again, all of those experiences do certainly shape you know, my leadership uh, as president. Yeah, it's interesting as I, I mean, the three of us have a lot in common anyway, and, and we've spent a lot of time together over the years. Uh, you know, for me, notwithstanding, I, I'm very clear on what caucus's mandate is, and I'm I'm very supportive. But for me, being a student affairs professional is not about a job title. It's not about working in student services. It's actually it's about an orientation. It's about a sense of priorities. It's about how I contemplate the challenges on my desk every day. And I, you know, I I know Tim and Sean very well, and and I'm proud to say that you know, on many levels that differentiates us. Some days that's better, some days that's worse. I often think we probably uh, sleep less well some days because of that orientation. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's the path and, and what the path I think cultivates. So on that path, um, as senior administrators and presidents, how do you share and expose others to the student-centered approach? Um, obviously student affairs professionals, often take that view, but you're working with different people, different cues, parties across the institution. How do you influence them to take a student-centered approach in their work? Well, maybe I could jump in and say, you know, I, I don't know that if, if this is a particularly student-centered uh, thing or a student affairs thing. I think it's, you know, the way I do my work. I think it's about relationship. And I think that, you know, you have to walk that walk. I think people can sense how you interact with them. And, you know, while there may be some differences about how I might interact with a member of government or a student affairs leader or a member of my board or a faculty member, there's probably more in common than there is different in terms of how that relationship would go. And so I think it's a human approach, you know, probably 
tempered with some pragmatism insofar as, you know, everyone is happy to tell you what they think and they feel. And I think in, in our roles, you know, we're looking for on a, on a personal level, you know, to be, to have that kind of relationship or to help people out or get them to the right resource. But, you know, we're looking for kind of some themes and some directions for our institutions and, and really helping people see the big picture of where we're going. So I think, again, I think student affairs uh, and student leadership. I also, Sean, was a, a student leader. I was a keener and uh, it seems good preparation for what we do now. So I think, I think just kind of being a, being a human, I think that's pretty consistent with student affairs. Yeah. It, so it's a good question. You know, I was, I was just thinking off the top, even the way, you know, I, I, I defer to coaching and modeling, mentoring. Even that's a product of my experience. You know, the thing about student leadership, you know, I, 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 like my colleagues, I was a student leader. I was a varsity captain. There is nothing that cultivates leadership skill like peer leadership. And we afford as many students as we can and, and uh, typically not, not as many as we'd like. We afford students that opportunity. You learn in those spaces how to focus on coaching and mentoring and modeling uh, behavior. Ironically, Sean and I just came from a meeting of our peers where I may not have only been modeling coaching and advocating. Sean can judge, but I may ha- I may have been a little more aggressive than that in some of those moments. But but even you know, I'll give you two examples, Paula. Like we're we're having a conversation over dinner the first night about the absence of representation in the presidential cohort in our sector, in Sean's and Mike's sector, the Ontario College sector. And I was just making the point, we have one racialized leader and we have fewer female uh, presidents than we did when I started six years ago. That number wasn't sufficient then relative to our student enrollment demographic and that number has gone down. And the response from somebody at the table who I greatly admire was, well, that's not on us, that's on our boards. And I said, well, you've been in the presidency how long? What does your board look like? How, you know, my my board used to be predominantly white men from one of the catchments, one of the four catchments I serve. It doesn't look like that now. If you put a photo, and that's because students over time uh, at George Brown, at York, at Bowling Green State, at Sheridan, have taught me that that matters. Paying attention to those things matters and that I have accountability in those moments, regardless of my position. And so I think there are lots of options uh, or there are a lot of opportunities, little big ways uh, to live the values that students teach us every day. Yeah, I would probably just add a couple of things. Um, It's interesting, Janet mentions coaching, because for me, that is a huge part of what I believe, you know, strong leadership entails as, you know, coach, coach first. And I do think that comes out of a student affairs orientation um, and and background. Uh, You know, it's a privilege to be in these roles, but there's a great responsibility. And I think, you know, I, I can like Janet continue to think about, about diversity across all of our senior leadership team and our board. And you know, we're, we're, we're making some real progress there. And also structure of the organization. One of the first things I did is when I became president is I created a vice president of student affairs role, um, whereas previously it was you know, kind of subsumed under a different VP portfolio. Well, that sends a signal across the organization. 
And then I felt very fortunate that that we hired into that role um, an Indigenous uh, leader who was just exceptional. That also sent a signal that to have, to have uh, Indigenous representation around the executive team table. But, you know, I, I think it's, it comes kind of naturally to me, and I think that comes out of you know, just years and years of being involved in different conversations around representation and why that matters and the importance of diversity and how do you talk about diversity, but then how do you make a difference around that? Um, I also was really proud of the fact that when we, you know, when I became president, we set up an EDI task force that was half students and half employees. And it was a joint effort with our students union. And I actually had questions about that because it was, you know, from the, one of our board members at one point, he said, well, I don't understand that. Like, you know, aren't these different? I said, no, well, this is, we're one community. But again, I realized, you know, I, I didn't, that was just natural for me. But again, it, I'm sure it was informed by the fact that I came out of, of two decades uh, of working in student affairs. So we're going to shift the conversation a little bit. Um and I just want to know a little bit more about how you first became involved in caucus and the role that caucus might have played in your career or in your development as leaders. Go for it, Tim. Yeah, you know, probably dumb luck on my part, Paula, uh, in terms of this. You know, I, I had been largely in, in a couple academic roles and then took on an administrative assignment that had a student affairs component. And it was suggested to me that I attend the caucus conference. And uh, I did so. And, you know, uh, to the earlier conversation, I would just say that, you know, I looked around that room and felt like I was conspicuously younger than most people in the room. I had hair then, and uh, it was a lot of gray hair. It was pretty male. And I don't think caucus looks anything like it did uh, back then. But uh, I I became, uh, I got involved. Uh, I, you know, I just volunteered and said, what's going on? How do I get involved? And maybe that's some of that student leadership stuff and got involved in under our old structure and became, um, got involved in the, the student affairs, the SASA board, as a, at the time I was living in Vancouver as a Western rep, and never really looked back, uh, took on uh, some roles and volunteered. And I would say that those relationships uh, for me were pretty formative. Uh, they helped me professionally and they helped me personally. And that network uh, has served me and continues to serve me very well. And I am very mindful when I go to a caucus conference, what it's like for the person who's going there for the first time and trying to participate in a way that people feel welcome. Um, and uh, because it, it's been hugely influential to me, I'm very grateful to caucus for the opportunities that I've had and, you know, eventually served on the caucus board and eventually was president of caucus at one point. So I believe strongly in the work of, of the organization. So my introduction to, to caucus was a little more structured than that and probably, well, you know, again, reflective of, of our professional values. So I had awesome mentorship. I didn't know what student affairs was. I kind of stumbled into a job in student housing. I was at the University of Guelph, so in, in the uh, early 90s and surrounded by really uh, strong influencers, uh, Peggy Patterson and Brian Sullivan, and worked on teams with Marty Williams and Heather Lane and, you know, John Conrad, uh, Jason Hunter, all, uh, all of whom continue uh, to be actively engaged, like Jennifer Kiesmat, uh, who's such a formative voice on urban planning and sustainability. These were all members of the Student Affairs uh, Residence Life Team at the University of Guelph in that, in that time. 
I, you know, the, the mentoring was incredible. I had no concept, no aspiration, no sight line on, on the, this opportunity. I had had a miserable undergraduate experience. And in part, it, it, you know, while I was doing my graduate, uh, my master's degree at Guelph, uh, this opportunity, I mean, I'm so grateful, Paul, I look back and think like, I don't know what my professional or personal journey would have looked like in the absence of that intervention. And it really was, uh, you know, I was a part of the new professionals program when we had it. And I had an opportunity to work on the, on the newsletter back in the day, uh, the journal. Uh, I, I, do, I honestly don't know what my life would have looked like without, and it was moments, but, you know, Peggy Patterson in particular, she was just so generous like unbelievably generous. And I tried to pay that forward, but I'll never, I'll never repay that debt. Cause my, you know, my life's been shaped by her kindness and her, her, her generosity. Yeah. I would just add to that. It's kind of a trip down memory lane in terms of those early years going back now decades. But I remember going to my first couple of caucus conferences and just feeling like, Oh, now, now this, this, I found my people. It felt like, like, you know, I, I'd arrived home where, where I didn't always feel that at my, you know, my institution. Uh, but I just, I was formative. It truly was formative. Uh, and, you know, when you mentioned some of those same names, Janet, you know, including Peggy Patterson, like, like, I just remember being awestruck by, by how she presented and what, how she talked about, uh, student development uh, and it definitely shaped um, what I did then uh, and uh, has been hugely important in my growth and development as a professional. It's so interesting that you all speak about others welcoming you into the space and I think that for myself I have been welcomed by all of you have met you in person at a caucus conference but the fact that now, as a mid-career professional, I also, when I go to caucus, I take that care to make sure that those newcomers feel welcomed and they can ask questions and they don't feel intimidated and they feel like they have a space to say hello and belong. So it's interesting. Sorry, go back to Tim. You had something to say. No, apologies. You know, I, I in the spirit of, you know, 50th anniversary of caucus and, and some of what's being said, you know, I, I too have benefited from uh, some of those folks that that uh, were named and, you know, and uh, worked for Brian Sullivan at one point. Peggy Patterson and I shared some graduate students at another point. Dave Morphy, Dave McMurray, you know, my colleague Dave Hanna, um, Heather Lane, you know, like just, you know, people who did an awful lot for the profession. And, and personally, I benefited from those relationships. I must say, that as I as I now when I go to caucus, which we had the opportunity to do this past summer, and you know I think people responded well to some former you know rank and file student affairs people coming to the conference. You know locals done well, but I feel like I'm a million years old uh, now when I go to the, the to the conference. But I also you know I'm I'm as a president I look at you know who's coming into the field. And uh, Sean alluded to this in terms of some of his hiring. Janet's talked about some of the concerns she has around diversity at, at the senior ranks, but I'm sure shares uh, the, the concerns around diversity within our institutions. 
And, uh, but the profession, I'm looking at the profession. I am simultaneously heartened to see uh, who's coming in, who's in the middle, who's, who's taking on some of these senior roles because it really has changed. But I'm also chagrined. I'm seeing people leave the profession. Some notable departures from the profession because it is hard work. There's a lot of emotional labor and it's not for everyone. And so, you know, I, my, my mind turns to the work that caucus does and, and its importance as a professional home for folks and a bit of a touch base, a touchstone for people. But, uh, you know, the work ahead of us is, you know, how to do this work in a healthy way, how to keep people engaged in the profession um, so that we can do the work that we all care about for the students. Yeah, I would just uh, add one thing. I, I realized what one of the things about caucus that I thought was so interesting and I continue to think is so fundamentally important and Tim you know you just touched on it but it it is that opportunity to feel supported to there's a, there's a little bit of uh, group therapy that occurs you know at any caucus conference but you know you, you 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 realize sometimes I think depending on the size of the institution that different student affairs professionals come from you know it can be kind of lonely uh, isolating work and so caucus provides that that broader, uh, I think, sense of, oh, there's others out there doing this type of work and the chance to share and, and, and uh, different experiences and hear different experiences. Uh, and also, uh, and this is what uh, I was just thinking about, it covers both colleges and universities. And I think that's also fundamentally important. And I think Tim, Janet, and I actually all represent uh, career paths that transcended both of those worlds in, in different ways. So for college and university presidents who may not be familiar with caucus, and I also recognize that we often call it caucus without naming it as the Canadian Association of College and University Student Services, what is one thing they should know about the organization? Well, maybe I'll take a stab at that. You know, again, you know, I'm really clear with people about the tilt or orientation that the organization subscribes to. So the values-based proposition of being student-centric in your decision-making, you know, I talk a lot about, I talk a lot to presidents about uh, how it informs my decision-making. So an example I would use is how I think about student success. So I, I think there are probably lots of presidents who are amazing and, and who I admire who probably look at enrollment data and may not dive deeper to look at things like mental health data or uh, attrition at certain points or high-risk courses or high-risk uh, demographic data around uh, enrollment. It, 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 you know, I, I talk a lot to colleagues uh, who ask for some advice or counsel around how to stay inspired and engaged. I talk a lot about some of the strategies I learned as a student affairs professional uh, that keep me in touch with students without making them uncomfortable. So that's actually a bit of an art, you know, staying in touch and engaged with students without disrupting their autonomy or imposing on their student experience. That, that takes a little bit of curation and, and uh, planning and so, you know, I, I often kind of loud caucus as not just an organization or the conference as an experience, but, but, but I talk a lot about the leadership in caucus, the professionals who are invested in caucus and what they can do to inform your leadership. Like ask them about how they're thinking about 
enrollment or about how they contemplate student experience, how they measure student satisfaction, because the diversity, uh, the thoughtfulness, the research uh, focus that many of our new and emerging colleagues uh, bring to the table, I I think has great potential to inform and inspire and help us navigate uh, many of the challenges on our desks. I can maybe chime in. You know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Sean, to your earlier point about colleges and universities, I think we have lots and lots in common. I would point here to, I think university presidents, they're a little more deficient in the area, uh, my sense is, than, than, than college presidents. And that's my perception. Uh, you can comment. But, you know, especially with the, with the focus on, on research, um, I think there's an academic pecking order that is in place in, in universities certainly something I deal with. And I, I think what I'd want presidents, and I do say this at Universities Canada, I see when people are hiring and I'm not shy about it. I probably annoy my colleagues greatly about this because I don't think they know that student affairs is a profession for some folks. While I'm theoretically open to uh, lateral moves in institutions and I've certainly seen cases of faculty members who have made the transition, I think it's a tall order and it's not every faculty member who can make, who can slip into the role. So, you know, I'd want them to know that it's, that it's a profession, that there is a distinction to be made between a senior student affairs officer and a senior accounts payable person. And, you know, I think some of them don't know that because they haven't, the, you know, they've, they've had very great careers. They've become presidents of institutions. They could have been great researchers. They could be whatever their path was. So no disrespect to them, but they haven't encountered it. The traditional pathway, being a dean to a provost to a president is kind of shifting a bit. And we are certainly seeing a lot of the, uh, you know, vice president's research uh, take on presidencies in, in research universities. And I think they need some support and help to understand the complexity of of the student experience and and to be student-centered. So, you know, some of those folks that have been hired uh, that I find questionable work out well, but it's a bit of a path and it's hard for them. And my concern is that they're not set up for success. So I just would hope that we can try to set folks up for success and institutions for success. Yeah, I mean, I would just add, PJ, in short, I would say for any you know, in terms of what other presidents need to know about caucus, I would just encourage them to both support their student affairs folks going to caucus for all the reasons we've talked about in terms of professional development and growth and support, but also that they, they, they take the time to attend at least one themselves because, uh, Tim, you could be right to, uh, around the university versus, you know, kind of co- college realms but i would say even in the college realm uh you know there's a lot of a lot of college presidents that really come out of a sometimes a corporate services background uh or an academic background or research even uh but you know just haven't had some of the benefit that that we've had uh, in terms of of that student-centric comfortable kind of in the those uh in the ambiguity and in the gray spaces, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, of navigating uh, that that uh, it's not black and white. Uh, and uh, I would encourage them to attend a caucus conference and support their people being there because I think it's part of broadening their horizons will make them better presidents uh, because I, I think it could, uh, you know, depending on, on their backgrounds, truly it could 
you know, give them the opportunity to to experience a set of perspectives that they may not and be involved in conversations they may not uh, have been involved in previously. You know, and maybe this is a, I, I suspect this is a shared experience. I am always flummoxed by leaders in our sector who aren't curious about students. Like, don't you think that's weird? Like, I just think it's weird. I, Janet, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I, I, yeah, no, but I think that also comes, like, when I think about this, so many aspects of, who I am as a president, I realized probably did come out of student affairs, but I don't think of it in that way. So these, it's really helpful to have this conversation. No, that's what I'm saying. It's an orientation, right? Like, so I remember uh, when I, when I uh, worked somewhere, not here, but before here, where I always used to be told that if I wanted to engage senior leaders with students, I had to give them something to do because uh, and I learned this lesson and it was great counsel. I just, it just never occurred to me. So the lesson was that if you want senior leaders to talk to students, you know, engage with them, you had to give people something to do so that talking to students wasn't the primary focus of that interaction, right? And where where we landed was like flipping pancakes or burgers or whatever, then you're distracted by that. It's kind of like when you drive with teenagers in your car and you don't you, you don't want them to have to look at you. They they tell you more if they're looking out the front window. It it was a great strategy, but I had to get over all the time like what are you talking about? You're not just so excited about being able to have five focused minutes with a learner that's investing tens of thousands of dollars in the institution and the learning experience. Don't you want to know how long they commute and what their challenges are and what they aspire to do and whether or not they feel like they belong, where their point of connectedness with like, this makes me a freak show in some, uh, in, in some sets of company and I don't get it. Yeah. No, Janet, I, I realize I do the same and I hear it all the time. I had, we hired a new VP recently and we went for lunch came back and uh, I, I just did what I always do, which is I'm, I, I talk to students and I'm so curious. So that's the word that I always think. I just am genuinely curious. Uh, I want to hear about their experiences, all of those sorts of questions. Anyway, we went and came back and he said, you know, he came from the university world. He said, that was incredible. I said, what? He said, well, you just like had like 10 conversations with students. He says, I've never, I've never seen a president do that. I said, oh, I said, well, that's just who I am. I'm curious. But, but you know, again, I, I guess it's, it's interesting to reflect on that uh, in terms of, of this conversation and, and how coming out of that student affairs orientation, I think you just, there's just a natural curiosity. It's a really good word. Uh, and a natural, you know, I guess, propensity to connect with students. And, and you know, so sorry to... Yeah, sorry to jump back in, but a lot of that is about humility. So you cannot be a, a student service focused professional and not be very humble. When 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 you acknowledge your own privilege in a space and talk to a learner, you know, first generation Canadian, first generation participant, if you're curious and you ask those questions and you talk to racialized learners about the obstacles they've encountered or right now supporting transgendered members of our community, if you're not coming to those conversations with tremendous, genuine, heartfelt humility, you know, that's something that being being 
student-centered has taught me from day one, and it is a difference in orientation there. I, I agree with, with, you know, with what you're both saying. I mean, I think there is a humility portion to it, although I don't think, you know, my reputation is to be Mr. Humble. But, uh, but uh, you know, as, as I think about it, I, I also, I, I can remember early days, you know, accompanying a president to student events, you know, because the student, the president needed to be guarded, you know, and a student would come up and I would say, student, this is the president, president, this is the student. And the students would say, my name is, you know, you know, whatever, uh, Abdul. And I would say, President, this is Abdul. And the president would say, you know, hi. And I'd say, the president says hi. It was almost like a, a like a, like a, the bridge to communication between, you know, a student and, and the president, because I think the president was scared. You know, I think you have to be somewhat brave in some regards, because, you know, you go out and students will tell you what's wrong, what the institute, how the institution is failing them. And I know when I came into my current role at Mount Royal, I would go places and I would have people accompanying me. And I'd, I'd say, what, what are you doing here? Like, is, is this how this works? You know, and they oh, well, we always, you know, go with the president, you know, to run interference. And I'm like, I'm okay. Like, I can, I can talk to these people. Like, it's okay. Same with faculty, you know, you know, they want to rip your head off. They rip your head off. You know, you, you, you live another day. Um, so I think it's an interesting, I think the dynamics are changing. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, institutional leaders like ourselves, I think this is now expected of us. And uh, going back, you know, to your first question, Paula, I mean, in, in a way, the student affairs involvement has helped us be able to do this work in this manner. And, you know, that's an incredible benefit of, of that student affairs pathway. So I'm really enjoying our conversation, but unfortunately we're at our last question of the day. And it's this, Tim mentioned having both hope and chagrin about the student affairs profession in Canada. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, what role can caucus play in the development and growth and the landscape of Canadian higher education and student affairs itself? Well, I'll just jump in and just say that um, you know, I think caucus has been doing some great things. I hope caucus continues on those lines. I would say that student affairs has been the bellwether for much of what's been going on in Canadian post-secondary education. We were talking about mental health before other people were talking about mental health. We were talking about sexual violence before people were talking about sexual violence and on and on and on and on. And so, um, you know, in some ways, I think caucus sh should continue to do that. I think that that one of the greatest things that caucus can do is to essentially people the profession, to staff the institutions. I'm always pleased, you know, I, I said I was chagrined when I would see senior folks leave the profession, but I'm always delighted when people uh, leave temporarily student affairs to take on another role in the institution. Then they go into the deepest, darkest recesses of the faculties, or they take on some administrative role somewhere. Uh, they take a lot with them and they bring back a lot. And um, so I think, you know, a challenge for caucus is to think about that and think about the, the uh, parts of the institutions that aren't represented in, in caucus. We have some academic advisors in caucus, but it's, a, it's, it's kind of a separate thing in some regards. International is in some regards, we have some folks uh, in caucus who do international focus, 
but uh, international can also be a kind of a different thing. And so I think it's those porous relationships and interactions where I think caucus could really help shape uh, where Canadian post-secondary education is going. Yeah, I, I think those are great points. Uh, you cannot read the news or contemplate global affairs on any given day without being very concerned about the future of the planet and uh, the future of whatever level of peace we currently enjoy. And, you know, I maintain again, uh, you know, perhaps in a way that's Pollyannic, but I, I, I honestly believe that that post-secondary education has this unique capacity uh, to transform not just individual learners, but their families and their communities. But none of that happens if we're not continuing to contemplate access, both in, through, and out. And so all of those outcomes rest on our colleagues' capacity to study, pilot, reflect on, revisit, remodel, reorganize, re-engineer what we do, why we do it, uh, and where the impact can be greatest. And, uh, and so, you know, kudos to those folks, because, um, you know, that, that is what, that, that, is, that, that for sure is going to be what sustains our organizations in the current context. And I really hope it's what propels the planet towards a, you know, safer, more secure, sustainable world. Well, it's kind of hard to follow up on that. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, just to to think about caucus, I I in the future, I, I would I would certainly reinforce and add to Tim's point around, you know, first of all, caucus is a really important has clearly played a big role for the three of us in our professional growth. I think it it's going to be just as important in the next fifty years. You know, in terms of of dealing with with ever an ever more complex world. Uh, and, and ever more you know, challenges that uh, I think we're all just trying to, to wrap our mind around. But always with that that sense of of, and I think the you know to pick up on John's point as well that you know that that the work that student affairs does, the work that post secondary institutions do, uh, is hugely important and and makes a phenomenal difference in the lives of our individual uh, learners, but but all of all of our communities. And student affairs is front and center in that. So I mean, my encouragement would be caucus to keep doing what they're doing, to keep finding ways of, of supporting each other uh, and, and really importantly, uh, providing professional development for new professionals. Uh, and just to pick up on Tim's earlier point, to make the tent as big as possible. I mean, I think, you know, from the vantage point of being a president, you know, there's the, the group of individuals who do amazing work in, you know, in, in what we might call student affairs. But there's a lot of student affairs work that happens across our institutions, and, and I think there's lots of benefit to to make sure that, that everyone feels uh, that they have that chance to be part of caucus, to be part of that professional development, and to really take that takes that you know broader uh, perspective. I I think there's a I think if I can just pipe in and just I'm sure we're we're short on time, but the you know there's a context here. I can't help but think of this question and reflect on you know, uh, Janet and Sean and myself and a couple others, where we're the first, we're the first student affairs folks among the first, if not the first, uh, 
to, to be the president. And I think caucus can help the career path of others who might take those roles that would bring different perspectives as we move forward. And, you know, I'm excited for that. I, th I, think, I think that that's really going to really help institutions who are thinking about doing things in different ways and really want to be more student-centered. And I think caucus can really help with that. So I want to thank Janet, Sean, and Tim for joining us today and taking the time from their very busy, <laughs> busy lives as presidents of institutions to join us today. I also want to thank our listeners for listening to the Caucus 50 Oral History Project. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share, subscribe, rate, and review. And we want you to come join us next time. And thank you for joining us today. The Caucus 50 Oral History Project is an initiative of the Canadian Association of College and University Student Services in recognition of our organization's 50 years of engaging student affairs professionals in Canada. The series of podcasts is recorded and produced by Sean Fast, Adam Kewen, Nicholas Fast, Rachel Barreca, Stephanie Muletaller, Noah Arney, Sally Chen, Estefania Toledo, Paula Jean Broderick, Jennifer Brown, Margaret DeLeon, and Becca Gray. Intro and outro music is courtesy of Alexi Stryapchi. This podcast is recorded, produced, and published on the traditional territories of hundreds of Indigenous nations from across the northern half of Turtle Island, also known by its settler colonial name, Canada. We are grateful for the opportunity to live, work, and learn on this land. Miigwech.